You are listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. To Faithful Men is a project that started in 2006 to digitize and preserve old sermon and study tapes of Elder Wally Flanagan, Elder Hassel Wallace, and Elder Mike Strevel. They were pastors and teachers, and they studied to teach and train up others to continue in the ways of truth. I am thankful to be able to provide you with these sermons and studies, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. And so he says, Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. I love an expression I read also by Spurgeon. He said something to this effect, that, that anger is, is God's sometimes character, but mercy is His delight. God delights in mercy. He could have destroyed these people from off the earth, but as He did in the days of Noah, when His anger went out against the inhabitants of the earth because of their love of violence and wickedness, yet there was one man of whom it was said, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listen, my friends, Noah didn't, didn't, wasn't chosen by God because of his good works. God chose him in spite of the good works. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found unmerited favor from God. And so God came to him and revealed Himself to him and he built this ark. And so it is that among the vast multitudes of the earth who until the times of of the Lord Jesus Christ were, in Paul's words, aliens to the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant, without hope, without God in this world. We read that in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. My friends, that describes you and me. That describes us Gentiles. We were cut off from the covenants of God. Strangers to the promises of God. Without God. Without hope in the world. Oh, just think about people who live and and die, even to this day, who have no thoughts of God, no hope in God, no help from God. What a sad and pitiable condition that is. And so God had mercy upon a remnant of the people of God. And so He sends forth His servants. Now these are different servants now. These are not Jewish prophets. These are New Testament preachers of the Gospel of Christ. First to the apostles. And then all of those who follow in their, in their wake. Yea, even I myself have the sweet blessing this morning of being among them who, who are called of God to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. What is this good news? The good news, there's a, there's a marriage supper. It's prepared. It's already fixed. The oxen are killed. They're fatted. They're killed. The table is spread. Come and eat of this, of this meal. And I'm thankful that as a minister of the gospel of Christ, I may make that, that, uh, offer that proclamation freely without hesitation this day that there is a great supper. There is a great feast prepared for all who will come and take of that meal. And so it is that there are many today who will not come. But oh, what a sweet mercy of God's grace that He works in the hearts of His people and causes us, what is it that makes us to differ? What is it that makes us see something in this wedding uh, supper here, this, this bridal feast that, that the Jews did not see? I'll tell you what it is, and it's found in, in Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. And the apostles there had preached to the Jews, and, it, and the Jews rejected it according to the words of Jesus. 
And he said, Lo, we, it, was, it was necessary that we preach to the, to the Jews first, but lo, now we turn to the Gentiles. And it said, that when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And so we proclaim the gospel message that Jesus Christ died for sinners, and that there's a great wedding feast that's yet to be partaken of. This, this feast has not yet taken place. It is something that, that's happening in a sense even now as we come into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible tells us about another day when the, when the bridegroom is going to return and the, there's going to be the consummation of this great wedding that's been purposed by God. We'll read about that when we get to the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew. We'll read about it in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. And so they go out and, and they compel whoever will to come in. To come in. Notice this passage of Scripture then. Well, first off, let's, let's, there's, there's an interesting addendum to this. The obvious meaning of this parable is the Jews to whom this invitation was originally given have deemed themselves unworthy of everlasting life and they would not come. And so he turns to the Gentiles and many of them come. As many as were ordained to eternal life come. But then there's this addendum to the story. An interesting addendum. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Several remarkable things about this. Here's this wedding feast. Everybody has on a wedding garment. This wedding garment was provided. These, these were the, the poor, the the hopeless, the helpless. These people didn't have appropriate wedding attire. It was given to them. It was given to them. We'll read about that in the book of Revelation. But one of them came in. Presumptuous was he. And he came into the wedding feast in his street clothes. The king approached him. And I love this. He does not approach him uh, confrontationally. He says, friend. He, he wants to give him an opportunity to explain himself. Perhaps he's unaware of, of what was going on here. Perhaps somehow he missed the receiving of this. For whatever reason, he addresses him as friend. Why are you here without a wedding garment? And then he waits and listens for the response. Well, what was this man thinking? Was he thinking that he could, could be a pretender to follow Christ? The Bible tells us that, that, um, that there are pretenders. There are false professors among Christians. We're reminded of the story that Isaiah told. It speaks of a day of desolation. Such a desolation in which it said that seven women will take hold of one man. There will, there will be such a, a, Probably war of some sort in which the male population is decimated and, and all of these women, they want a husband. And so they lay hold of this man and says this, Let us be called by thy name, but we will wear our own clothes. Ah, uh, God says through His prophet Isaiah, that won't fly. If you will be called by His name, you must wear His clothes. He does not address the polygamy issue. 
he addresses the issue of if you're going to have the name of Christ, you better have His clothes clothes on you. And so, let's turn to the book of Colossians for a moment and see this analogy carried out here in this exhortation, Colossians chapter 3. He says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse um, 10, um, well, starting in verse 9, Lie not one to another, Colossians 3, 9, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deed. Now here's an imagery. There's some, as in clothing, they are, clothes are put off and they are put on. And yet put on the new man, which is renewed after knowledge of the image of him that created him. Then verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God. You, you say that you are the elect of God? You say that you belong to Him? You say you believe that He died for you? That He has loved you with everlasting love? Then He says, put on these clothes. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, and so forth. Now, where do they get these clothes? Well, what are these things described to us as being in the fifth chapter of the book of of, uh, Galatians? It says, the fruit of the Spirit are these. And then he names these same sorts of things here. That is, the evidence of the Spirit of God. My friends, when a person is born again by the Spirit of God, he is given the proper clothing to wear. And, but we, as, as accountable creatures, are commanded to be putting constantly on. That's the verb tense here. Be constantly putting these on. Have these things continually brought to mind. Let him not say that he is a Christian if he's not willing to wear the garments of Christ. And so the Bible tells us in, uh, uh, in chapter 13 of Romans, verse 14, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's this word picture again. Put on Christ. In, a, in Romans chapter 3 and 22, we read these words. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. I'm telling you, my friends, and we're going to see this over in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation, that the garments that the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is to put on is the very righteousness of Christ. Here's a man who has come into the wedding feast. How? Under the pretense of his own righteousness. My clothes, he said, are good enough. I only want to be called by the name of Christian, but I will wear my own clothes. I'll do my own thing. I'll think my own thoughts and I'll perform my own deeds. Do we not see that going on so so uh, uh, terribly in the religious world, even among Christendom as we call it? People who are denying the principles of God's Word. A whole, a whole so-called Christian denomination who has openly embraced a, a lifestyle of wickedness by exalting Him to be one of, among them to be a bishop in their congregation. We see here people, they want to be called Christian. They want to be called by the name of Christ, but they don't want to put on His clothes. Now when the, when the king comes to him and says, Friend, why, why do you not have the proper clothing on? He is speechless. What could he say? I suppose he could say, Well, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know, I didn't know there, that there were some special clothes. I, show, show them to me and I'll put them on. This is the king. But I suspect there's one reason why he is speechless. Because he is guilty. He has thought he could come in here and wear what he will. He will come into the presence of the king and do his own thing. He does not have to bow himself to the will of the king. He does not have to rule himself by the laws of the kingdom. He will wear his own clothes. 
He will do His own thing. And so His, his own speechlessness has betrayed Him. And so it says here that the king... Uh, so, so the king said to the, to, the, to, the, to the people here, the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot. This was the, this was the uh, manner of a man who was going to his execution. Tie his hands behind his back and bind his feet. This man is doomed to execution. And take him out, he says, and cast him into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and ashing of seed. And I don't have time to go into all this, but just, just understand that this expression is always used to describe eternal ruin. This never describes anything but eternal ruin. You follow it through everywhere. It speaks of hell and destruction and eternal ruin. And then he ends with these chilling words. For many are called, but few are chosen. And so it is that the gospel call goes out unto all men. Preach the gospel to every creature. We preach to all men indiscriminately, whoever they are, wherever they are. Wherever we have an opportunity, we proclaim the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But few are chosen. Only those who are chosen in Christ, only those who have been given the wedding garments will come to Christ. Now, let's turn lastly to the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. Here we have a powerful scene. This wedding imagery is, is spoken of throughout all the Scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 5, it is very, very poignantly spoken to in the relationship between a husband and a wife. And it's, it says that husbands should love their wives even as Christ has loved the church and gave Himself for her. That He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so it is that the, those for whom Christ died, those who were chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world, those who were predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ Himself according to Ephesians chapter 1, every one of them will enter into this marriage supper. And so it's described in Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 19. And I love this. The whole, the, whole, uh, the whole mood of Revelation uh, changes here with the 19th chapter. Up until the 19th chapter, there are intermittent times of, of, uh, of rejoicings and things as, as, as the end is drawing near. But now the tide is, is turned completely. The 19th chapter of the book of Revelation describes the coming of the King. The coming of His Son. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus told a parable about the ten virgins. He said five of them were wise and five were foolish. But these ten virgins were waiting for the coming of the bridegroom. And some of them who were pretenders said, Yeah, He's not coming today. I don't have to be ready. I don't have to be careful. Others were always vigilant. They were always putting on as the elect of God, the, the attributes of God upon themselves. And when Jesus Christ came, when the bride came, they were ready and went out to meet Him. The five wise did. The five foolish went scrambling around for some oil for their lamp. And by the time they found some and got to the wedding feast, Jesus says these chilling words, When they knocked at the door, depart from me, I know you not. And so always there are pretenders Oh, listen, my friends. The Bible tells you and me to make our calling and election sure to ourselves. First Peter. Peter warns us of this. He encourages us to that. And the way you can know that you belong to Christ. 
that you are one who was chosen by Christ is that you love His garments. You love His name. You not only want to, you not only want the name of Christ. You not only want the name of Christian. You want to wear His clothes. You want to put on the wedding garment. You want to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You want to be clothed with the finished work of Christ. You want His righteousness to be yours because you know. And in of yourself you have none for yourself. You would dare not enter into the presence of the King in your own clothes. For they are altogether unfitting, inappropriate for the occasion. Notice this. After the destruction of Babylon, he says in verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come and His wife has made herself ready. Ah, finally, they're coming into the wedding. And to her was granted... Oh, I love this. Listen to this. And to her it was granted, it was given, that she should be arrayed with fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The Apostle Paul says that his hope was not that to be found in his own righteousness, but with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It is the righteousness of the saints. You know why it's the righteousness of the saints? It's because they have put on the garments of Christ. They put on the garments of His righteousness, and thus it does become their righteousness. It is indeed their meekness. It is indeed their kindness. It is indeed their patience, their long-suffering. But it's not their garment. They didn't make this up. They did not put this on themselves. They received the garment from Christ, and they have put it on because they love it. They see the beauty of it. They see the glory of it. They lovingly take it to themselves. And He said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He saith unto me, These things are faithful and true. And then it goes into the final battle that takes place before Jesus comes and then the coming of Christ and the setting up of His kingdom in its full glory and power. Well, now we learned a very simple truth from this. Yea, we've noted in the last two parables, all my friends, my dear, precious friends, the kingdom of God serious business. Let it not be said among us that we said we would go and not go. Let it be said of us that we were like the other son who said, yes, I'll go and go. May it not be said of us that, that we would not willingly, lovingly return the fruits to Him who has placed us in His vineyard. Let it not be said that, that we would think, deign to come into the wedding supper of the Lamb with our own righteousness, clothed with our own righteousness, with the audacious attitude of those seven women in the book of Isaiah who said, we want to be called by Your name, but we want to wear our own clothes. We want to do our own thing. We want to have our own way. We do not want to be dictated to about our garments. But my friends, those who have had a true work of grace in the heart, they love meekness. They love kindness. It suits them. They love joy. They love patience. Peace. And gentleness and faith. And goodness. And all of those things. They see the beauty of that. To them it is like, it is like a beautiful garment that is, that is put on them. They love it. They appreciate it. Oh, let it not be said among us, in any, by any of us, that we love not the things of Christ. We love not the church of Christ. 
that we can do without His church, we can do without His ways, we can do without His will, we can do without His word. Let, us, let there be no, no one among us who hear these awful words. Bind them hand and foot, and cast them out into outer darkness where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning for the call from heaven that we have received. Yea, Father, there was a time in our lives when we heard the preacher preach the sweet gospel of Jesus and it became precious to our hearts. The Lord, not only will we we trust, impressed with the salvation that He offered, but, oh God, we were impressed with the clothes that He that He gave. And so, Lord, we have willingly, lovingly, we hope faithfully, put them on. And yet, Lord, we confess our weakness and our sinfulness. And so we pray for strength every day to be constantly putting on as the elect of God, holy and beloved, these bowels of mercy and kindness and tenderness and, and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and all these things, Lord, that are so contrary to our own nature. Father, we're thankful, eternally grateful for the, for the invitation and for the strength and the grace You gave us to accept it. To come and see that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with others and help our ratings by giving us five stars and writing a review within your podcast app. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also.